the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. February 8th, 2021. George Shultz, one of our great leaders in the victory against Soviet communism, passed away. Steve Hayward writes, There are not many of the giants of the late Cold War still among us. Today saw the passing of one of the greatest, Reagan's Secretary of State George Shultz, at the age of 100. Only Henry Kissinger and Lake Valesa come to mind as remaining peers of Schultz. Steve said um, that um, he'll look into. He would recommend look, having others look into complete obituaries to George Schultz because it was quite a life. And Tevi Troy wrote one of the great obituaries over at City Journal. But one story he wanted to tell about George Schultz's finest hour. We never knew until many years after he left office that the first thing he did every time he met a Soviet official was bring up a political prisoner and demand that the Soviets release him. The Soviets always complained that such prisoners were purely internal matters and none of our business. But Schultz had none of it, pointing out that as the Soviets had signed on at the Helsinki Accords in 1975, they had pledged to respect human rights. So we had all the standing we needed to hold them accountable, and they didn't like it. The best instance of Schultz standing up to the Soviets came back, came the week after the USSR shot down Korean Airlines Flight 007 in early September 1983. Schultz had previously scheduled a meeting with Foreign Minister Andrei Gromyko in Madrid on, on September 7, which he decided to keep. It ended up provoking the first tiny crack in Soviet diplomatic intransigence. By prior agreement, Schultz was to host Gromyko at the American ambassador's residence. But when Gromyko's limousine pulled up to the house in front of a gallery of several hundred protesters and photographers, there was only a low-level State Department aide to, gr to greet Gromyko at the door. Schultz was absent. The meeting table was left spare with not even a glass of water for Gromyko. Schultz opened, as he deliberately did in every meeting with Gromyko, with a particular case of Soviet human rights abuse. In this instance, Anatoly Sharansky, as well as KAL-007. Gromyko insisted that he would not discuss either subject and rose from the table as if to walk out. Schultz rose from the table, but made no effort to persuade Gromyko to stay. To the contrary, he called Gromyko's bluff. Fine, go, Schultz said sharply. Gromyko remained standing and kept talking, he didn't want the blame for having ended the meeting abruptly. At length, he backed down and sat down, relenting on his refusal to allow Schultz to bring up his points about human rights and KAL-007. No real progress was made on the substance in the two hours of acrimonious back and forth that followed, and after the meeting ended, Schultz went before the media outside and said, practically before Gromyko's limousine was out of the driveway, that Gromyko's responses were totally unacceptable. Schultz's veteran State Department interpreter told him that in nearly two decades of participating in high-level meetings with Soviets, he had never seen such a blunt encounter. Good for George Schultz. 
May I say a word about the Super Bowl? First on the halftime show by the weekend. I know some have their criticisms of it, but there was one interesting thing that didn't happen. Someone else, a female, pointed out, not one crotch grab. Haven't seen that absent from a Super Bowl halftime show in a really long time. Good for the weekend. As for the Super Bowl, just a few thoughts on sports generally, if I may. It's an area we used to escape to, escape from politics and work and stress, until the left and leftism in the NFL and elsewhere realized we can use our money or they could use their money and influence on leftism as well. It turned a lot of people off, especially the hypocrisy of someone like Colin Kaepernick, who worked for a company that paid him millions to lecture America about her racism, while the company paying him millions was literally using slave labor in China. Then, of course, there were the lectures about an area of life we thought a pretty good exemplar of race-free consciousness, professional athletics, a testament to talent and ability above and beyond anything else. But then you get racial activists like Bree Newsom tweeting this this morning, quote, There is an enormous amount of racial undertone to the entire conversation about Tom Brady being the best athlete of all time because it willfully ignores black athletes past and present, as well as the ongoing systemic discrimination against black athletes in the QB position. Close quote. This was written, of course, just as a black quarterback played in the Super Bowl she was writing about same quarterback who won a Super Bowl the year before. It prompted Ben Shapiro to respond this way. He wrote, Nope, the greatest athletes of all time pretty much by acclamation are in basketball, Jordan, in track, Bolt, in boxing, Ali, in baseball, Ruth, in golf, Nick Loss or Woods, in swimming, Phelps, in football, Brady, in tennis, Federer or Williams, hockey, Gretzky, gymnastics, Biles, soccer, Pele. Sports are great because there are objective metrics of success. Dennis Prager often laments how few safe from politics spaces there are in life anymore. Not in the arts, not in art, not in music, not in sports. Almost nowhere is life free of politics enough. Almost nowhere in life is it free of a lot of stupidity too, especially if the politics is based on racial grievance. Heck, you can't even plow your neighbor's yard of snow without it becoming political, as you may have read about this weekend. So the left got to sports and ruined a lot of it. As we wrote in the book of Man, in competition and sports, a man develops attributes that last long after the game or match. Perseverance, the will to win, teamwork, work ethic, self and self-control, to name just a few. Howard Cosell, the great American sports writer and broadcaster, said, quote, Sports is human life in microcosm. If you lose a game, do you give up and hang your head, or do you press on with tenacity to win the next one? If you win, do you boast and brag, or do you credit your teammates and your coach? The way you react on the field or the court will often mirror the way you respond in the office or the classroom. If approached correct correctly, Games provide happiness while also improving man's soul. Albert Einstein remarked, I know the most joy in my life has come from when I play my violin. After a hard week of work, there can be no better feeling than enjoying healthy diversions. They refresh and replenish the mind like a drink on a summer day. Benjamin Franklin 
taught that, quote, games lubricate the body and mind, close quote. While we all need rest and relaxation, it becomes very easy for leisure, of course, also to descend into slothfulness, laziness, and irresponsibility. Said Voltaire, the famous 18th century French philosopher, work spares us from three evils, boredom, vice, and need or want. Final thought, putting some of this together. I was speaking with a prominent attorney here the other day. We were speaking of our fathers, both World War II veterans. And uh, my friend asked me, do you think this society could fight that war today? We can discuss that. I won't tell you what I said just yet. I'll tell you later. In the meantime, though, it had me rediscover this great essay from Theodore Roosevelt that I think sums up the difference between his day and ours to the extent of the difference you see here. He wrote, What we have a right to expect of the American boy is that he shall turn out to be a good American man. The boy can best become a good man by being a good boy. Not a goody-goody boy, but just a plain good boy. I do not mean that he must love only the negative virtues. I mean that he must love the positive virtues. Good, in the largest sense, should include whatever is fine, straightforward, brave, clean, manly. The best boys I know, the best men I know, are good at their studies or their business, fearless and stalwart, hated and feared by all that is wicked and depraved, incapable of submitting to wrongdoing and equally incapable of being tender to the weak and helpless. Of course, the effect that a thoroughly manly, thoroughly straight and upright boy can have upon the companions of his own age and upon those who are younger is also incalculable. If he is not thoroughly manly, then they will not respect him, and his good qualities will count for but little. While, of course, if he is mean, cruel, or wicked, then his physical strength and force of mind merely make him so much the more objectionable a member of society. He cannot do good work if he is not strong and does not try with his whole heart and soul to count in any contest, and his strength will be a curse to himself and to everyone else if he does not have a thorough command over himself and over his own evil passions, and if he does not use his strength on the side of decency, justice, and fair dealing. In short life, as in a football game, the principle to follow is hit the, hard, hit the line hard, don't foul, and don't shirk, but hit the line hard. Good rule for conservative politics, too. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602 Hope you had a great weekend. I um, want to let you know that portions of this show are brought to you to, by my favorite product, Balance of Nature, which I take every single day. Tens of thousands of vital nutrients in one daily dose from apples and blueberries and spinach and cayenne and garlic and kale, all Good, potent, strong stuff. No sugars, chemicals, GMOs, all vegetarian. Boost your health, your energy, and your immunity with Balance of Nature. They have a great deal as well. 35% off and free shipping of any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or visit them online at balanceofnature.com. That's balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code 
balance. I just can't say enough about that product. Such a great, great thing. Um, people tell me they when they've had a weekend like they had this weekend and you know maybe they were up late for a Super Bowl party and it went a little late that uh, if they're feeling a little draggy in the morning, they, t- they take that balance of nature. They take an extra dose of it first thing in the morning. It's a, it's a good, shall we say, cure to the late night. Had a great time Saturday afternoon with um, the Women's Republican Club of Pebble Creek out in Goodyear, Arizona. They had me come and speak, and uh, I was delighted to be able to do that. We talked about uh, the state of the Republican Party, the state of the conservative movement, the state of the United States. And uh, uh, it was good and sunny and had a good run Saturday had, uh, and then spoke with the um, the women at Pebble Creek. So uh, thanks for inviting me out. I started by we, – we talked about – a little bit about really first principles starting with the first Federalist paper that Alexander Hamilton wrote where he asks the question that we as a society were asking during the time of the founding – which is whether societies are capable or not of establishing good government from reflection and choice or whether they're forever destined to depend on accident and force. Lately, it's been a lot of accident and force or what I call the crisis industrial complex, which when you're always in a crisis, when you're always being forced to jump from lily pad to lily pad and you have no long-term memory, and no consequential memory. What's a consequential memory? Memory that means things make a difference in your life or in your society as you go forward. What happened a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, two years ago has consequences for the, for today. It should. It doesn't. That's the crisis industrial complex. We're always on the eve of destruction, whether it's COVID, whether it's um, – well – whether it's the presidency of Donald Trump or the ex-presidency of Donald Trump. My God, they're going to start impeachment trials tomorrow in the Senate on a former president, a man. uh, They're going to use a process to remove someone from office who is no longer in office. Uh, I'll say something more about that in a moment as well. (laughs) The level of crisis he generates for the mainstream media, the left of the Democratic Party, all of which are the same thing anyway, is, uh, is is pretty incredible. Once this impeachment trial is over, I don't know what they're going to do anymore. I guess I do, actually. I guess I do. And you see it with the 5,000 National Guard troops stationed in Washington, D.C., and the concertina wire and the high fencing there. They're trying to taint all of us, all of us, all of us, we conservatives, we who think Trump wasn't a bad president, maybe even thought he was a good or great president. They're trying to taint all of us as if we were part of the 300, 400 rioters on Capitol Hill. I'll tell you what, um, I'll tell you what's interesting about that, this notion of collective guilt. And what I hope his attorneys do, in fact, do over the next uh, couple of days of the trial. You know, I, I, I was suggesting they file motions of disqualification based on what Democrats have said that is far more insightful to, or I should say, far more inciting to violence than anything Donald Trump said, far more. Um, I was hoping they would file motions of disqualification over the fact that you had um, 
oh, you know, Maxine Waters saying, quote, let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from the Trump cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere, you know, or, um, you know, uh, Ayanna Presley, member of the squad, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives or Nancy Pelosi. I just don't even know why they aren't uprising all over the country. Um, uh, Cory Booker, please get up in the face of Congress people. Uh, Tim Kaine, what we've got to do is fight, fight in the courts, fight in the streets, fight online. Um, Chuck Schumer, I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awfuls. With these awful decisions. Um, all of that. All of that is far more incitement to violence than anything Donald Trump said. Or that anything um, that took place a year ago. Not a year ago even. During the summer of last year. Just think about it. Just think about it for a moment. There were 14,000 some odd arrests over the riots of last summer, fourteen thousand, two billion dollars worth in property damage, thirty lives lost. Capitol Hill riots don't have two hundred arrests as of right now. The group that looks to be about no more than four hundred, three hundred to four hundred, with a lot of questions about the motivations, a lot of questions about the causes of death, a lot of questions about whether it was planned beforehand and who the largest groups represented there were, including left-wing agitators who have been arrested, who have on their website pictures of violent riots and the burning of the American flag. Not all of them were Trump supporters or even putative Trump supporters. I say putative because it seems to me that the riot was a mob of political misfits who didn't know what they were doing or what the outcome of what they were doing would mean. We set this country and our cause back a bit. I thought um, I thought that we would be mature about these things, but we weren't, and you can't expect maturity from the left. They will milk any opportunity they can. They will distort, they will lie, and they will slander. They will defame. That's what they do. We should be giving them reasons not to, not to. And that band of political misfits, you know, gave them a couple months. And a ridiculous, ill-informed, and I say unconstitutional impeachment. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. Meanwhile, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 334 brings us our good friend John Dombrowski with... Our culture and economy update, he of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, grandcanyonplanning.com is his website. He is not one of the 17 million people who didn't show up to work today because of the Super Bowl. John showed up to work, didn't you, John? I always show up. You always show up to work. Absolutely. What does that mean? 17 million people not showing up? That's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, seriously. I mean, People work from home, I guess, but... My producer, Bill, whom you know pretty well, he says yeah. some of us do home from 
from work. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Good job, yeah. Bill. Not what Jim Ryan wants to I hear. I like it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Where's the bell? We need to That's exactly. a Exactly. Wow. Exactly. You had a good weekend, though. I did. The good. game. I watched the game. Good. It was kind of a, you know, so-so game. Good Didn't, enough. Wasn't good all enough. I excited about the halftime. I mean, nothing about the game really was that exciting. But tell, tell me about this. seven wins. Tell, yes. Yeah, seven wins. Tell me about this. There's a game going on between Hyundai and mm. Apple. This is right, big. Hyundai, yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so Honda, of course, the uh, Hyundai, is yep. it the automaker? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was talk about them and Apple coming together to build uh, some type of a electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. And, self-driving. Uh, yeah. Self-driving, mm-hmm. right? This mm-hmm. was going to be a big deal, and it had been talked about for a few weeks. And then all of a sudden this morning, the word came out that the, there is no deal. There's nothing that uh, is going to be signed off on. And Hyundai stock actually was rising all this past month, uh, but then, of course, got hit quite hard after the news that uh, there's not going to be a deal. Now, many are speculating that uh, Hyundai maybe spoke too soon and they should have kept things uh, a little bit more quiet. And that's, you know, Apple is a, a company maybe that doesn't like to telegraph what they're doing until maybe a deal is done. Uh, so no one really knows the, the true story about this, but I'm sure people will do some research on it. We might have more information. Uh, mm, the other thing I wanted to ask you about looks like uh, Elon Musk always makes news no matter oh, yeah. what he does. Used Bitcoin? To be, <laughs> used to be Robert Samuelson no matter what he did. Or Warren news, Buffett. Or Warren Buffett. Yep. Now right. it's Elon Musk, right? right? All e- Yes, all things Elon. Right. All the things Elon. <laughs> he's now saying Bitcoin will be able to be used for... Right. So apparently Tesla uh, mm-hmm. did buy uh, with their cash reserves, mm-hmm. the company's cash reserves, about a billion uh, and a half dollars in Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. and they're planning on accepting payment for their vehicles uh, in Bitcoin. If someone does have, you know, $80,000 or $100,000 of Bitcoin and you want to buy yourself a Tesla, uh, Tesla's saying that they are going to be accepting Bitcoin, so they wanted to have that in their portfolio so they can um, accept it. So, uh, you know, Bitcoin was up today because of it. Yeah. (laughs) You see, you're beginning to see some of these people putting... Some conversations out there, mm-hmm. right, about yep. wanting to have a part of that in their portfolio. And Square was another yeah. one today yeah. that was up rather uh, big today. Square, the uh, company that mm-hmm. um, does the credit card mm-hmm. um, acceptance for uh, point of sale for mm-hmm. small business. Yep. Uh, they, you they see a lot a, of that at the farmers markets kind mm-hmm. of thing for people who are yeah trying to figure out what we're talking. Uh, about. Yeah, I right. mean even at you know we have a little uh, antique store in Prescott, my wife and I, and we use the Square. Um, software to be able to I've known you for 10 years why am I just learning of this now (laughs) you have an antique store in Prescott we do well you saw our house you saw our office I I just didn't know you had a store we have a store yes and Liberty Lane up in Prescott that's what it's called Liberty Liberty Lane Lane, yep it's a cute little store Tracy does an incredible job of uh, setting that, that All right, stuff. if you ever come across mortars and pestles, my dad mortars? collected them, uh, those old you know, pharmacist yeah, things. We probably have a few of those, sure. Let me know. Okay, I will. Uh, any, uh, any, any, any rugs, uh, blankets, Native American bl- rugs and blankets. I don't know if that would be in an antique store, but you never yes. know what you're going to see in yes. Prescott. Yes, so. absolutely. I will do that. And old trumpets. Old trumpets. Yeah. I, okay. Okay. All right, All you right. got it. That's great job. So if anyone's up there, they certainly can come in. And I have actually have an office up there that's uh, – it's a we're in one of the older bank buildings up there. So I have a Grand Canyon planning office up there too um, in that same building. How fun. Yeah. There's more talk on this minimum wage stuff. I guess the yes. CBO came out with a report mm-hmm. today saying uh, it could cost about 1.4 million Americans their jobs over the next few right. years. Right. So if they're talking about if Basically. they did raise that minimum wage, which they're getting some pushback you know, on that. But also uh, – 
if it does go through, yeah, small businesses are going to suffer through this. Uh, and unfortunately, you're going to probably have before uh, you start to see any type of benefit from it, if there would be, uh, you'd certainly uh, see a hit on jobs. The other thing, too, is, um, Seth, again, we talked about this. The restaurant business yep, that works right. on tips, yep. how are they going to make that There's work? No way. And that's going to yep. be the real challenge. No. And unfortunately, you know, businesses as Boy, we're trying to get them reopened. These businesses for a year now. Yes. You know? Oh my gosh. I'm going to go to Napa and try to get some wine tasting in, and hopefully, I can do that if they're open again. If you buy old wine, does it uh, go into your Prescott store and you write the whole thing off because it's no, an antique? I don't. We can't sell liquor. You need a liquor license for that. I we should, can drink it. I <laughs> can't sell it though. <laughs> Security and advisory. Wine and new kegs. Go ahead, yes. <laughs> Security and advisory services offered through Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipkin, an investment advisor, Grant Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thanks. I so. thought next thing you were going to tell yes. me is you had a historic imbibement place too. No, that would license. be nice. Okay. That would be nice. All right, JD. All right, thanks. Bye bye. I'm just a sucker for a big, hard driving opening like that. Asia, right? Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. You had a good weekend. You had a near personal best on your run, right, Bill? The approximately 110-meter street sprint. Yes, sir. What'd you do? 14.6. Not as good as Sam from Friday. Uh, I would peter out long before he would. Oh, my gosh. But <laughs> you would peter out. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, are when I when I'm telling you we got to know how they think of us, it really is incredible. They're not hiding it. They're not they're not shy about it. The L.A. Times, you, you you may have heard about this. Have you heard about this bill, this op-ed that Virginia Heffernan wrote in the L.A. Times? Uh, no, not related to Doug. A couple days ago, um, first of all, know who Vir- Virginia Heffernan is. Um, she is a former uh, editor at uh, the New York Times. Uh, staff writer at the New York Times, fact checker at the New Yorker, Ph.D., of course, from Harvard. You'd expect that from what I'm going to tell you she wrote. You have to be that educated to be this dumb or that. I shouldn't say educated. I should say credentialed. The Trumpites next door who seem as devoted to the ex-president as you can get without being Q fans just plowed our drive, driveway without being asked to and did a good job. Great job. Did a great job. I, I realize I owe them thanks, but how much? These neighbors are staunch, staunch partisans of blue lives, and there aren't a lot of anything other than white lives in the neighborhood. Maybe she needs to move. So do you know what she wrote? How do I treat someone who's a Trump supporter who did a good deed for me. You know what she compared him to? This is where her brain went. Ready? I'm going to read you directly. You you probably have figured it out. Quote, Hezbollah, the Shiite Islamist political party in Lebanon, also gives things away for free. The favors Hezbollah does for people in the cities of Tyre and Sidon probably don't involve snow plows, but Like other mafias, Hezbollah tends to its own. The Shiite sick, elderly, and hungry, they offer protection and hospitality and win loyalty that way, and they demand devotion to their brutal us-versus-them anti-Sunni cause. Some of us are family, the favors say. The rest are infidels. Is she nuts? Is she nuts? Who's acting 
like an Islamist political party saying you can't share my neighborhood with me lest you join my cause. Who's the one demanding fidelity to a religio or theocratico political ideology? She is. The neighbor didn't give her literature. All the neighbor the neighbor didn't ask her to vote Republican. The neighbor didn't ask her to tune into the Dennis Prager show or the Seth Liebson show. <laughs> the neighbor didn't subscribe her to the Wall Street Journal. What do we do about the Trumpites around us, she asks. Like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who spoke eloquently this week about her terrifying experience during the insurrection at Capitol Hill. Yes, she spoke eloquently, just falsely. Americans are expected to forgive and forget before we've even stitched up our wounds. What, what, what wound did this writer suffer from the Capitol Hill riot? Or for that matter, the Trump presidency? She has this vacation home in a ski village. Were the last four years so hard on her? My neighbors supported a man who showed near-murderous contempt for the majority of Americans. Because he said what? What was the murderous contempt? Go to the Capitol and march peacefully? Does she know what murder is? Wow. Um, this is what the educated left thinks of us and not just that it's not just that it's that the la times which might be the nation's fourth or fifth largest newspaper saw fit to publish it why do you publish something like this unless you say oh yeah that's actually a good point trump supporters are like hezbollah and we should think of them that way and when they do nice things for us all the more so think of them as Hezbollah, which also does nice things for people. Who's the theocrat here? Who's the, all, all this guy did was plow her house, street, entrance, so she could get in and out. Because not scholarly enough to know the works of Islam, I assume that there's a version of it, but because he was following the precept of treat your neighbor as yourself, which you don't have to be a member of Hezbollah to live off of or to live by. And she, <laughs> think about the ingratitude for a second. Okay, here's what happens. Bill and I are neighbors. I'm a Republican. He's a Democrat. We live in Flagstaff, and the snow covers his entranceway. And... Um, his driveway, and I happen to have a snow plow. So I, you know, I'm out. If I, I plow my thing. It's kind of fun. And I go and plow his house. And for thanks or acknowledgement, he writes an op-ed in the newspaper denouncing me. Now, how are we supposed to have any common ground when people can't be civil to one another? And, of course, we're the haters, course we're the haters we do good deeds and we get compared to hezbollah for doing a good deed for someone we don't agree with that's what makes it a good deed all the more so right they know they're on political opposite ends of their uh, they know that they're they have political differences i don't i i don't know where to begin on this 
But if you think you can unite a cold civil war between families that act this way, I think you think wrongly. I think you think wrongly. The idea that a former New York Times reporter armed with a, all, the, all, the, all the right credentials in her world, Ph.D. from Harvard, can um, take a good, kind deed and turn, it, and turn it into a repugnant analog to you being a member of Hezbollah, which has killed far more Americans than any riot on Capitol Hill last month far more, hundreds more, then um, I just don't know where the help's going to come from. Yeah, I have a caller on this point. It looks like he's asking the right question. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, talking about ingratitude. Hal and Prescott is calling in on the topic. Hi, Hal. Hey, Seth. Thank you for calling. You bet. Uh, had a, just a quick thought. You were talking about these, uh, you know, the, they, oh, my God, they plowed my driveway crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's, it, if this person really has reached the point where she can't just go out and say, hey, Thank you, neighbor. You've done me a huge favor. Uh, It has to turn into this whole, oh, my God, these are Trump people. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing they think. I mean, so so there's two problems here. This person has a Ph.D. from Harvard. Yes, yes, sir. And they have not been immunized against the the concepts of propaganda and political extremism and dehumanization. Yeah. One might call it an infected brain, might one... Yeah, bad ideas mm-hmm. have taken over this person's brain. A very mm-hmm. smart person, mm-hmm. person who's been to been to Harvard. Yeah. So how do how do we rehumanize ourselves? Do more, do more good, like right? Do more good for her. I think. Yeah, I think my, you know someone least. someone was talking about the story and said he'll never he should never plow her her street again. I say, I say, I think every Trump supporter who's got the willingness and capability to Google wherever. There's ways to find out how people live. Show up and leave flowers and boxes of chocolate. I say, look, Aeschylus said our task is in, in civilized life is to tame the savageness of man and make gentle the life of this world. And clearly the left missed that. And you don't need to know Aeschylus to know that. You kind of get it from your mom and your grandma or your dad and your granddad, don't you, along the way, Hal? You, 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 do, the, you, you do the Hippocratic Oath or versions thereof. It, it, it's, it's not because it's hard to understand those concepts. We're here to help other people, and we say it all day long. And I'll tell you, the first people to quote that kind of stuff are the left. They're the first to quote mm-hmm. it and the first to violate it. I don't know how to get back to it except just doing more kind good kind acts towards them. I really don't. Isn't that yeah, supposed to be the, the hot uh, coals on their heads? Kinds acts, kind acts, acts of decency, acts of kindness to your enemy. Well, I that's think, the uh, thing too. Yeah. I think of her as a political opponent. She thinks of me as an enemy. There's a difference. Yeah, yeah. I think of her as someone who has not yet been convinced to vote for Trump. <laughs> 
There's always hope. How about a prayer vigil in front of her house that um, prays for no more snow? Something like that. That would drive her really nuts. Oh, my God, they believe in God. Yes. Or a self-plowing driveway. Yes. (laughs) Install a heated driveway. God love you, Hal. We'll be right back. 